three, two, one, and we are recording. And uh, to uh, kiss both y'all's ass, this has actually been a requested episode to have OGA Ron and Dale. I'm not even bullshitting you. Have video evidence that has been suggested. So I'm not lying through my fucking teeth. But for everybody, everybody knows Dale Comstock. Everybody knows Ron Muller. Both have been on here before. Uh, Ron's been on here twice. Dale's been on here 10,000 times. Uh, both of them OGA. And I would like to maybe think that I'm OGA as well. You can't you can't prove otherwise. And uh, Dale coming from us all the way in Bali. And, uh, of course, my man Ron coming from us from the beautiful United States. Dale, please introduce yourself for all the new listeners. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, sorry, say, say that again. Dale, introduce yourself for all the new listeners. Some <laughs> shit I say to you every time. <laughs> yeah, no, I missed that part. I'm just my volume. Yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, for, okay, for everybody that doesn't know who I am, um, so first of all, my name is Dale, and I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> and uh, so I'm former U.S. Army, did 20 years, uh, Special Forces. I was Green Beret, Team Sergeant. I uh, was also in Delta Force. I was an operator there, A Squadron, for uh, almost 10 years. Um, I spent four years in 82nd and in the 325th Airborne Infantry, also the 313th MI Battalion as, as a LERP, uh, in the LERPs. Uh, so that was kind of my military career. And then uh, post, um, so I retired just prior to 9-11 and I got the uh, the call, got invited to um, try out for go up to OGA. I did. Spent nine and a half years up there doing the same thing I did in the military, basically. And then uh, concurrently, I ran a couple of companies, sold a couple of companies during that time as well. Ended up, uh, long story short, ended up in Hollywood. Then from Hollywood, ended up in Hong Kong, ran a security detail there for a multi-billionaire investment banker, which led me to my wife who's Indonesian and uh, I followed her to Indonesia. So I've been here since I think 2015 now. And uh, my wife and I own a security company in Bali. How cool is that? So actually that's what we're talking from right now. I'm sitting uh, in my kind of outdoor kitcheny area with my swimming pool behind me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been laying in bed with my wife watching TV, waiting for this, uh, this hour. So here we are um, in Bali, Indonesia, but I also live in Florida, have a business there, have a business here. And uh, that's kind of who I am, what I do, a little bit about my background. Dale, uh, Dale is not an alcoholic, but the last time Dale and I hung out, I got blackout drunk, was bleeding from the head, and ended up in the ER. So, and Dale had nothing to even do with it. He didn't even touch me. That's the real power of Delta. Ron, same thing for you, man. For all the new Hello. listeners, please introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Ron. I'm not nearly as cool as Dale. God, I, I'm, I, I, am, I, I, I'm barely, I'm barely a, a pimple on on his cool ass, but. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but I did recognize a couple things. So, you know, go Falcon Brigade there. I, I, I remember that from yep. my son, my son was in the Falcons. Um, anyways, um, I'm, I'm, I did 38 years in the government service, all of it in the Intel career field. Um, <clears throat> one day I was minding my own business when a gentleman named Tim, uh, who was a former uh, blue light guy and everything like that. Um, you may remember him, Dale. He was he was always the cool Tim. You know, he's kind of walking around, had the nice big salt and pepper beard. Anyways, um, he brought me down to Farmer John and uh, said, "You want to hire this guy uh, to come in and work?" And this was right prior to 9/11. And uh, so I worked in Air Branch for uh, four and a half, five years. And then I went overseas. Well, hey, before all that, I was just a, I was just a general intel case officer kind of guy. Nothing, nothing special. No big deal. Didn't do any. You know, I didn't recruit the head of the GRU or anything like that. Um, and before that, I was in. Oh, I wasn't in the military. I was in the Air Force. And uh, I. Uh, <laughs> there you go. See, I could get one. I get one laugh. You know, he'll kill me later, but he'll laugh now. Um, <laughs> And I was I was just an intel slug there, but I did a lot of stuff in in both tactical and and strategic air command back when we had a real nuclear deterrent and things like that. Anyways, after I after Air Branch, I was uh, chief of base over in uh, Afghanistan, and uh, I I my superpower became I could I could speak all the military dialects because the agency because the majority of the agency people and you know this Dale, uh, outside of SOG um, had no comprehension of what the uh, what the military was all about where all the language you know because 
everybody has a different dialect. I mean, the right. Marines speak differently than the army and so on and so forth. Well, my superpower was I, I could, I, I had, I could translate all that into agency speak. Um, I came back, I was a, a branch chief in SOG as a, for personnel recovery. I, I think it's all reorganized eight ways from Sunday now. <clears throat> and then a couple special duty assignments with CTC. And then one day I'm walking down the hallway and director Panetta sort of sees me as I'm sort of trying to slink my way to the Starbucks. And uh, he says, you're just the guy I need. I'm going, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, and you quickly do that mental review, like, okay, you know, did I date his daughter? Da, 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 what, what did I do, right? And he, um, anyways, uh, what happened was uh, Admiral Mullen, the, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, had formed a special, you know, high-speed, low-drag team of 50 um, lieutenant colonels and majors or equivalent Navy ranks to be his uh, Pakistan-Afghanistan <clears throat> team for all things in dealing with that theater and, and related stuff. And, but he needed an agency liaison. So I got tagged and I did two great years there because I'm, I'm far away from the flagpole because the Pentagon might as well be a million miles away from Langley, even though it's only what, six miles up the GW Parkway. And, uh, but I, I think I did good work I, I kept the director and the senior and the seventh floor guys informed. I uh, learned a lot about working with Congress. <laughs> and um, that's, I, I should have got combat pay for that. And, um, and just working with the military and working with some really great uh, officers who've, who've gone on to multi-star ranks now and a couple of really shitty ones as well. So it's just like any, any large organization, there's good and bad. I uh, retired shortly thereafter. And um, I was four months into retirement and uh, my phone rang. It was a friend of mine who by now was a three-star general and he was commander of the ISAF Joint Command, which is basically the deputy U.S. commander, for the operational commander for ISAF. And he needed an honest person to come and be his intel advisor because I didn't have a career to save or to an OER to protect or anything like that. So I went back to Afghanistan for tour number... 12, 13, shit, I can't remember. Um, and uh, yeah, <clears throat> and did that for a year. So for uh, for both of y'all, and I don't just full disclosure for anybody listening, I'm not, this is me speaking independently on my own, which normally leads the guests to start to go, oh shit. But, you know, with anything, okay. right? Yeah, with anything, right? You always look back at it and there's always like a, you know, there's always like a golden tint to it that it was better than, I mean, even, you know, I, you know, I've had people tell me the podcast isn't the same that it used to be. I'm like, it's two years old, but you see it with everyone, right? It's not this, you know, fraternity in college. It's not how it used to be. And then if I go visit there right now, I'd probably be saying the same thing. It's not how it used to be. And I was kind of having this, uh, not really debate, but discussion with two guys the other day, Dave Colm and Tom Luongo. They're both basically talking about, is there anyone, are there any good men left in the military or is it so, and this is just me asking y'all and I don't want y'all to, you know toss shit on anybody you worked with or who still currently work or whatever but and especially coming from me as a guy that's never served but is it just is it just is it a mixture or is it not at all is it different now is is wokeness really tearing it apart is this just the same as if you guys went back to the 70s those guys would be saying it's not the same as world war ii and the world war ii guys <laughs> were saying this ain't shit compared to world war one is it just that or is it that it's actually kind of devolving into this either highly automated and detached and or woke progressive cultural Marxist infiltrated institution. Is it, is it one or the other, or is it just kind of, it's just looking back and saying it was better. I don't know whoever wants to take Ron. You want to take that? Oh, um, <laughs> throw it right on you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, no, the, uh, well, I can, I, I tell you this, uh, my son and my son-in-law are both active duty. Uh, my, my son's a, um, uh, I guess he's about to be a first sergeant in the 82nd. He got kicked upstairs. Well, actually, he he's he's thankful. He's he's in the, the Devil Brigade now. There, Dale. Um, okay. But anyways, um, and then my son-in-law, he's a he's a E9 Swick, and you all know what Swicks are, right? No. Well, they're they're the high yeah yeah they 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 drive the high speed boats and and uh drop the seals off and pick them up you know so if you've ever seen those 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 overarmed uh light craft in the river yeah that's 
that's his that's his biswax is it like one sixtieth but for for water for water yeah pretty all much right. yeah i mean it's the navy version of all that yeah. sort of um but also and then my my daughter is uh she's a, a corpsman in the in the navy uh, reserves so family of service here um uh, my son who uh who was dealing with a lot of this stuff he goes yeah i mean a lot of this crap is is coming down the poke the pike and uh the um you know all the all the briefings on pronouns and and this and that and and uh you know he's had he's had guys in his uh in his company and and battalion um or when his platoon when he was a platoon sergeant um i want to be a viking uh, you know, which is a recognized religion and uh, i or i want to be a sikh and you know you're looking you're looking at alabama white bread boy and he, suddenly he wants to be a sikh because he gets to grow his hair long and have a beard and <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of silliness that takes away from training um a lot of powerpoint rangers there uh, and and you know and i i pick and he i pick on him because you know he's in the 82nd supposedly the cutting edge of the u.s army i mean he deployed for the Kabul evacuation he deployed for the uh two years ago on new year's eve for the uh attack in uh in iraq in baghdad after the Suleimani, uh you know schwackage uh so he you know i i think he has a pretty uh unjaundiced view and he uh you know, he's, he's been told, you know, God, you can go all the way to, you know, be a brigade sergeant major and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm four years from 20. I can hardly wait. Cause this, this isn't even the same army he joined in the early two thousands. So anyways, Dale, your impressions. Yeah, Dale, you yeah, did it. yeah. You know, it started with me actually. So it was the reason that I actually decided to retire in 2001. So it was already started back then. Um, circa 1999 2000 i remember a couple things happened one you know it started with uh general shinseki um you know secretary of defense comes down to uh use of socks to a special forces uh ceremony sees all the beautiful green berets go i want everybody in the army to have a beret and we'll make it black so he took the ranger black beret gave it to everybody so they could feel good about themselves then it went into uh, guys didn't have to pass the physical now the PT test um, in basic training. It's like okay, when you get to your unit, your sergeant will train you um, and get you into shape. And then it, you know, it just then it turned into stress cards. You know, drill sergeant yelling at the soldier. He pulls out a card, and you have to leave him alone. You know, it just got really stupid back then. Um, I started experiencing even in I was in third group uh, at the time, and I started. You know, I was had an ops job. I was a group assistant ops NCO. And, uh, you know, I started seeing it with some of the, um, you know, non-combat arms, MOSs, you know, like I, I had a private that was screwing up and I dropped him for push-ups. I had a female E5. She was a illustrator. That was her job in my, in my office. And she got upset that I'm making this kid do push-ups because he actually carried an M16 in his, in his POV from the arms room, which is, you know, that's an article 15 right there. I just decided to make him do a lot of push-ups to teach him a lesson. Um, that turned into, you know, I couldn't do that. And I had, you know, I had no other recourse, but make this guy go home on the weekend and write me uh, basically an essay on accountability responsibility. That's where we went with this thing, right? And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Um, and so it already started back then, and it's never gotten any better. In fact, um, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are still in the military, you know, that, you know, they've, they've, they've told me what happened in Ranger School with the women going through there, being recycled until they made it, the orders were given, you know, they will pass blah, 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 you know, the, the political correctness was, it's already, it's been there, um, you know, the lowering of standards, and then I actually saw it happen in combat in 20, uh, 2010, um, I won't go into all the details, but basically, there was an MRAP, it was a firefight, um, it was actually a, a three-day a three uh, military um, operation uh, in Afghanistan, which included U.S. milk, included the uh, Afghan National Army. Um, it also included, uh, you know, elements from the people I was with. And uh, essentially what happened was an MRAP was hit out in the open, um, American casualties. Um, they were taking direct fire. A lot of it, my, my counterpart, uh, basically my contemporary, not my counterpart, but my contemporary, he had uh, 
a, a group of my guys and he came around the, the bend just to find an American infantry platoon sitting in the shade with their LBE off, their weapons laying down and in the middle of a firefight with casualties and MRAP about 500 meters to the front. And the question was, why are you guys sitting here? Why are you not going out and getting your, your buddies and bringing them back? And the response was, because it's too hot, Sarge. Um, it's too hot. And so that turned into um, a bunch of Afghans going out there and recovering Americans. It, it, it came down to Afghan uh, medics triaging Americans uh, while American medics watched. Um, it turned into my contemporary challenging the captain, asked him, why are you not getting your men to do their job? And his response was, they won't listen to me. Um, and so that ended up with a, a, an official report that uh, basically found its way into the shit can. Um, nobody wanted to talk about what happened that day. And so to me, that was an indicator of where we are, um, you know, in 2010, it told me all I need to know about, uh, you know, the new generation of soldiers. Um, it's not just soldiers, but it's Americans. And, uh, you know, what, what we no longer have, and we no longer have, I think, we no longer have a fighting force or men or Americans um, with exceptions, but uh, we don't have the same kind of, we don't have the same kind of patriots. We don't have the same guys with the same moral, you know, and ethical fiber, um, you know, that, uh, you know, I was used to growing up with. So we've got a whole new generation. And, and so my fear is, you know, it's here and we are going to get our ass handed to us. Um, and when we start going to look, you know, say what you want. We didn't win. We didn't win Afghanistan. Of course, we didn't win Afghanistan. We got our ass handed to us right at the very end. But we got our ass handed to us the entire time we were there. Yeah, we got Osama bin Laden. We could have got him a lot sooner than what we did. But, uh, you know, we spent, you know, we, we spent a lot of lives moving to ambush, doing same stupid, you know, conventional tactics against a guerrilla force, if you will. And they were beating the shit out of us, just like the Mujahideen beat the Russians. Um, you know, this was all political. It was it, it, it was no longer about war fighting. Um, it was all about politics and power and money and bullshit. And uh, unfortunately, I saw it too late. Um, I saw, when I did see it circa 2011 is when I decided to walk away. And I was just grateful that uh, I was still alive to, to, you know, to think about it because I look back at, well, let's just take the 13 Americans that were killed in August in Afghanistan in that invasion. They died needlessly. Um, I think back to Somalia when the Clinton era with all those guys that were killed from, you know, from my unit and uh, from the Ranger Battalion, you know, and all the guys that were WIAs for what? Uh, absolutely zero, nothing, not a happened out of that. You know, we let, we let Adid go. Um, and so it, it's, it's, and you know, there's a, there's a soldier in me that goes, man, I want to fight. I want to do the right thing for my country. And that idea has long passed, man, because I've seen that. And I, I talked to my friend, one of my friends here, he's a green beret. And he goes, dude, you know, he said, we got used. He goes, we got used. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. We got used as soldiers. We got used. And a lot of our friends are dead because, you know, General Garrison said it one time. He said it perfectly. Um, the morning after October 3rd, 4th in Somalia, Mogadishu, actually it was a few days later, we had another formation. And uh, it was when Bill Clinton decided to, uh, you know, index it, pull us out of the, of the conflict. And General Garrison, he started uh, the morning's formation with, gentlemen, war is nothing more than the extension of politics. And I thought about that. I go, that's pretty profound. And we're going home, even though we didn't accomplish the mission. And I tell you what, that left a sour taste in my mouth because as a soldier, I was expected to continue mission no matter what, right? See it through to its end, to kill and capture Adid, to recover our Americans that were lost, um, see the mission to the end, because that's what's expected of the soldiers. And that's what the soldiers expect of the commander in chief. But that cowardly son of a bitch, okay, he pulled us out of there because we got a bloody nose. And you know what? And a lot of good men are dead today for nothing. Okay, and it started back then for me. Um, you know, again, I believed in American, you know, I believed in American way of life. I believed in everything that was America, and I overlooked it, and I probably shouldn't have. And, uh, and I, you know, and then when it happened again last year in Taliban, uh, with the Taliban, you know, there it is, you know, um, 
And I have since then, and I'm not ashamed to say this because my son's a spe in special forces. He's a Green Beret. He's a Ranger. I've actually encouraged him to get out of the Army. And my, my, and my reason was, why are you fighting for this administration? This is a socialist communist administration. More than half America doesn't appreciate you anyways. They would, they would care less if you get killed. Nothing's going to come out of it. You will die needlessly. Nothing good will come from this. And every time I have, in fact, this morning I had a kid call me 16 years old. Um, from California. He said, I'm really interested in joining the military. I'd like to be in Delta like you someday. I need advice. And I thought about it, you know, and I was like, you know what? There was a time I just said, go for it. But now I'm a t I told him, you know what? You might want to rethink that. I said, go get an education, get a job, uh, make a living for yourself, be a sovereign man, um, be independent, and, uh, and try to distance self yourself as much as you can from the United States government and all these son of a bitches that are running this goddamn country and, and killing people, man. And so that's my attitude now. And I would, I will no longer encourage anybody to join the military. I will discourage it just because um, it is not the same military. I've watched men die for nothing. I've seen families suffer for nothing. Why? Because so these, so this government, this particular government um, can send our kids to die. I say, send their daughters first. Send their daughters first. Let's see the Democrats send their daughters first. Of course, they're not going to do that. Um, the hypocrisy of it all is more than I can stand. And even now, a couple of days ago, when uh, the Supreme Court, you know, overturned Roe versus Wade, apparently, you know, not only the Department of Justice, but the Department of Defense also came out and opposed to that ruling. Um, they actually had something to say about it. And I'm like, since when does the U.S. military have anything to say? with what the Supreme Court decisions are. Their job is one thing, and that is war fighting. That is it. And suddenly, they're, they're involving themselves in something that doesn't concern them. You know, and, and so this tells me all I need to know. This is not the same America. I don't think it ever will, uh, will be. And, I've, uh, and, I'll, and I will encourage every, every red-blooded American, every patriot, don't fight for this country unless we're invaded. Then fight for this country, but fight for your family, Fight for your friends. Fight for like-minded patriots and Americans. Fight for that. That's it. We don't need to go to foreign soil anymore and fight anybody else's war, i.e. Ukraine. There's a perfect example. Why the hell are we fighting there? Why are we doing anything there? Let the Europeans fight that war. They botched that up. They relied on us all these years, took NATO money, our money, you know, and, and, and they did nothing to protect themselves. Now they're all shitting in their pants going, oh, crap. You know, the, the wolf is at the door. Come and help us. What you want me? To, you want us to send my American son to come and protect your sorry ass because you couldn't do it? And wait a minute, what happened with uh, you know Ukraine? Uh, you know the Nazi brigade, you know, and and you know all that bullshit. And suddenly we're like, yeah, let's arm all the Ukrainian citizens that defend themselves. Yet we're saying disarm all Americans. Um, here, take away our two-way rights. Um, and I'm being called a fascist Nazi because I'm a white man. Um, this country is screwed up. And it's not just our country, it's the entire Western culture. I live in Indonesia and in this part of the world, and they're laughing at us. They're laughing hard at us, um, you know, and, and uh, they, they just think we're a bunch of morons. They've lost all faith in us. And I'm embarrassed as an American, I'm, and I'm not afraid to say that. I'm, not, I'm embarrassed as an American in, my, in this country here um, to even admit that I'm an American. Um, in fact, I try not to even admit it. Unfortunately, a lot of people recognize me. And... Uh, I'm not making any more excuses either. I'm just like, you know, I'm here to live my life and that's it. That's all I care about. So there's my rant. Is that is, my 30 minutes yet? Is that the Dale's, Dale's legendary rants, which have, are some of the most viewed things on this podcast. Um, although I, although I genuinely agree with everything both of y'all said, uh, I will do what I always do on this podcast because if we're all just agreeing with each other, then there's really no point in watching. You could just read our, our thesis statement and then turn it off. So I will do what I always do and play the devil's advocate, which I genuinely don't want to do right now because I do agree with everything you said. But I think it's a I think it's good to to stretch your mind and try to do this. So that's what I will do now. All of those things can be true. And it can also be that we are looking at the slice of time that we live in. I look at a uh, wild Bill Donovan, the first head of the OSS, right? World War One veteran. Guy was absolutely nuts. 
and nuts and like nuts in the way Dale's nuts just goes and does shit that like no no normal man would. Uh, he came back. He was good friends with FDR. He was he was a wildly popular uh, veteran, and he actually came out at the beginning of World War II and said that there was no need for a draft. That the draft in World War One showed the needless slaughter of young men in a war that we shouldn't have been in, and that you also lose a. Uh, you you lower morale by having guys that don't want to be there. And this is this isn't me. This isn't some woke shit. This is Wild Bill Donovan, you know, World War One veteran. He went and then on FDR's path, if I'm recalling it correctly, toward Europe, mainly Britain, and said uh, they're going to get their asses kicked. But what they do have is the will to fight. If they didn't have the will to fight, then we weren't going to help, and we we're just going to let them fall. But the very fact that they were at least going to try showed that we should try too. And he came back and actually changed his position on the draft and then as it goes forward we have the draft in vietnam and i think by then what uh, donovan was dead but you kind of saw the same thing resurge like should we have this are we just going to lose morale or get officers getting fragged and you move forward from there and then another thing uh, richard rhodes a famous author i've had him on here he has a great book about violence and it's um it's kind of what i said earlier it's these generals or not these generals these soldiers uh, recalling their time in vietnam and they're like, this is hell. And they're talking about how some of the older guys who were in Korea were looking at him. They're like, what are you talking about? This is a cakewalk. Like, do you have any idea? Strategic Air Command, Curtis LeMay, they're like, do you have any idea what we did in Korea? So Rhodes then goes back and goes to guys that knew uh, LeMay, how they were like bombing dams and stuff. And they were like, do you know what we did in Tokyo? And so from guys who have served, not my, not my, uh, my marshmallow ass sitting in an air-conditioned apartment in slippers. This whole, there seems to be a pattern of guys saying, like, it's not the same. Some say it's bad. Others say it's good. Other, even kind of in a third way, Samuel Moyne, a super liberal professor, I think from Yale, who I've had on here, writes in his book, uh, I think it's Humane, about how all of these things happen. And this is a liberal guy who like should be championing this. And he goes on one side, it's good. On the other side, it's not, it's not slowing the war machine down at all. Cause what we're doing is we're just detaching it to drones and to robots and to massively diffuse systems. So that's my devil's advocate position. I don't agree with anything I just said, but again, as my own sort of like, I, there's no point in sitting here and just jerking each other off. So I might as well try to take an opposing stand. Is there any truth to that or is just, is this, perhaps a, a dark truth that you know what did smedley butler say at the end he goes i used to you know the most decorated marine in uh, u.s history he said at the end i used to have a hunch that i was just a muscle man for big business now i know and dale you've said it and you've said it before on this podcast you do have a creeping feeling towards the end you know wh- was i just used was i just elite cannon fodder but was i cannon fodder and potentially could all of those things exist in the same reality could it be woke progressiveness could it be the general pussification of men over the centuries could it be you got used could this also be a truth could you go back to ancient egypt and they're like it was nothing like it when you know when i was growing up you never got a day off building the pyramids you fucking kids now only need to work six out of seven is there any truth to any of those or am i just talking as a guy who has never served and as always ron i'm gonna throw this right in your fucking lap and make you answer all the questions of the universe (laughs) <laughs> the answer is six um yeah okay. um, that's it guys answer six podcast over. No, yeah there you go no um you know i i go to i go to the vfw uh where i live here um and uh we uh he just passed but we had a d-day veteran from utah beach um you have korean war vets vietnam vets desert storm vets and so on and so forth um and we all talk about our stories you know, and, you know, the, the, the locations are different. Some of the situations are a little bit different, but at the end, it's the same thing, you know, watching your buddies get wounded or worse, um, fighting a, an enemy, uh, sometimes wondering what the hell's going on, you know, poor leadership, inspired leadership. Uh, so it, these are some of the universal constants, I think, for anybody that chooses the warrior path. Um, but I do think it is 
worse now than ever before. You know, I first joined in the mid '70s, so when I when I uh, when I well, of course, I was I was in the Air Force. So, you know, when I when I showed up at the country club known as an Air Force base and, you know, after I joined the golf club and the bowling league and everything, else, I'm <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, Dale's going to reach through the screen and choke the living shit out of me. No, um, I'm with you, man. I get it. <laughs> so, but, but, but this was the, in the immediate aftermath of post-Vietnam and um, drugs were rampant in, in the barracks. Uh, I mean, I, I would get back from from work. I was in a forward air control squadron, so I was doing some pretty low altitude, high, you know, low speed things. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I got a contact high just walking to my room from you know from the from the front door to my room. So it was um, it was pretty bad. I mean, we had nightly uh, raids by the uh, by the military police, security police, whatever. Uh, the drug dogs. It, you know, it was, you know, so there, there were some tough times, but we, um, but we, we persevered. I think we, we met, we just got rid of all those people. We, we, we took a, a downward dip a little bit in readiness and, and in manpower, but we got rid of all those bad apples and we just wouldn't put up with it. Um, but this, this thing now, I, I, um, you know, again, I'm just going from what I hear from my son and son-in-law is there's, there's just a lot of, you know, unmilitary stuff happening in the military that uh, doesn't do anything to improve readiness, you know, to take them out to the range to, for training, get them out into the field. Um, you know, we're, we're going back to uh, the garrison military now since we're no longer deployed. So we have to paint rocks and cut grass. And, you know, there's some, there's some, you know, overweight dickweed from division headquarters coming out with a tape measure to measure the height of the grass. And, uh, you know, and, and my son, who's a, who's a master rated jump master there, you know, and he's, he's worried about the important things like, Hey, let's do some, let's make sure we do, we conduct, you know, competent and safe and realistic airborne exercises. Um, if we're going to actually utilize this capability that we supposedly have, and we like to brag about, but, you know, he, um, they're passing you know you were you were talking dale about ranger school and, and the lowering of standards uh, seeing the same thing in jump master school and you know this this is not a, this is not a good thing i mean this is going to get people killed uh, you know and it's it's always going to be the good ones that are going to pay the price and the uh, the ones that are not doing their job either you know, as a ranger female, oh, speak, yeah, my son had a run in with one of these ranger females um, during EIB course. She couldn't pass the EIB. Um, and, and, and he's a, he's a true blue EIB, which means he got it first time going. So, you know, I, you know, pretty, pretty proud of him for that. But this ranger lieutenant female was, she was protesting and saying, you know, and he was cutting her all sorts of slack. And she finally started to get, and, and he recited the Ranger Creed back to her and he says, you really don't understand anything that's in that creed, do you, ma'am? And boy, she huffed and puffed and stomped off and went and had to find a colonel to protest to. And the colonel comes waddling up. And, and as my son describes it, some, some overweight fuck with basic wings uh, comes up and, and starts to, you know, like, you will pass this. You know, he says, no, she, she can't meet standard. If, you know, the standards are right here. Yeah, you had two weeks to practice. I'm sorry that you were busy doing PowerPoint for the brigade dining out or something like that. But, you know, here's the, uh, you know, here's the deal. It's, there's, there's no if, ands, or buts. And I, by the way, I've already given you enough slack. I gave you a couple extra tries just because, you know, I respected, you know, the, what you've done, thinking that he was, you know, doing the right thing. And after that, he said, you know, fuck it. If, you know, if you don't do it your first, you know, couple tries, whatever the rules are for the EIB course, yeah, you know, yeah, you're done. You can't meet yeah. standard. You're, you're, you know, you know, candidate. You are a no go at this station. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have an opinion on that. So this, this actually started with me. Also, circa uh, maybe 2011. Um, so I was on the set for Discovery Channel. Um, I was filming a, a TV show, and we had a, a very bad accident, but. At the hotel I was staying in Los Angeles one morning, I was walking to, to breakfast and uh, Alan West was sitting in the lounge waiting for his limousine. And I didn't personally know Alan, but when I walked up, I recognized him. I looked at him, I stopped. I go, hey, sir, 
I said, uh, you know, I hope you run for president someday. Just let you know, I got your back. And he got up laughing. He goes, ah, you had to go there, you know. And I got to know him really well. And he was doing a TV show out there. And he asked me if I would be on it the next day. And, um, and he wanted to talk about my military, you know, heritage. My father was in the Army for 20 years. I was in the Army for 20 years. My son's in the military. And he just thought that would be a great topic. So I was on the first show. And then probably about a year later, he had moved his show to Washington, D.C. And uh, he calls me one day and he said, hey, he goes, would you like to come onto the show again? Because um, at that time, there was this is when the talk started about uh, integrating women in special forces, range school, combat arms. He goes, um, and there was a particular general um, who used to be one of the commanders in the unit um, who came out and his words were something to the fact that, uh, you know, um, the modern Green Beret doesn't have to be a Rambo. OK, it's a new it's a technical capable, you know, a technical army, you know, and I thought what a slap in the face because it's guys like me that were sitting on the freaking field generators, cranking freaking batteries, you know, working with the DMDGs and shit like that, you know, that, you know, even the, the GPS, you know, we're the ones who revolutionized that so that these guys today can have this better technology. But at the end of the day, because you said something earlier, um, Tommy, about, you know, drones and, you know, uh, you know, what do you, diffusion of diffusion whatever you, know, of, you yeah, said. Yeah, diffusion responsibility. Yeah, so, so, you know, it always comes down to, and you can use all the cool buzzwords and say all the cool shit, but at the end of the day, um, when it comes to combat, it always comes down to the man on the battlefield with the firearm. That's was, it, man. I was going to, I was going to quote, I was going to quote the Dale line if you didn't say it. Yeah, yeah, it comes to that. Right. And so, and, and I look at it like this, all that high speed technical shit doesn't mean nothing at the end of the day. If you ain't got a man that can hump all that shit in the field, right. Can carry his, and carry his buddies and do everything that needs to be done to conduct that operation. Um, and so he asked me if I would be willing to come on the show. And I did, man. I, I let loose with both barrels on this general. I don't care. I know who he is. Um, I think he's a piece of shit. Um, you know, and it, and it says all I need to, you know, look, I got a lot of friends that are officers and I respect officers, but at the end of the day, you know, military officers are generally executive managers. That's it. That's what your job is, right? You're not, you're not really leaders. That's a, that's a misnomer. Okay. Um, you know, it's the, it's the non-commissioned officers that are, that are actually the leadership of uh, the U.S. military and everybody else is either, you know, they're either privates or they're executive managers. Um, and here we got a guy that I consider an executive manager telling, you know, guys like me that, uh, you know, my skill sets are of old and the new the new Green Beret is a technical guy. Um, it's all bullshit. Um, and so it started with that. I actually went up there and had my say. Of course, I got a lot of hate. <laughs> which was funny he's actually got a lot of hate from uh male civilian males right <laughs> you know they call me all kinds of names you're misogynist how dare you you know whatever you know the guy never spent a day in the military but you know here is i'm a guy that i was in the infantry i was a green beret i was in special operations okay i lived in the field i know what it's like to carry a lot of weight on your back to hump miles and miles and miles over weeks and weeks and weeks, living out of your rucksack, shitting in a plastic bag, right in the middle of your team where you all get to watch and pull security so I don't get killed. Um, you know, these are the things that the realities of combat nobody wants to talk about. They actually think, you know, everybody fights the last war. You know, they they think, oh, firefight, you know, get out of a truck in, in the desert and, and duke it out with the bad guys. You know, they're, they're so, you know, women are getting in firefights all the time. I'll tell you what women are not doing. Women are not humping the jungles of Guatemala with an 80, 90-pound rucksack on, you know, 35-pound LBE, heavy weapon systems, comms gear, batteries, everything that they're going to live off for the next month on their back to include carrying out their wounded or dead bodies, right? So there's, there's this thing that just eludes all these people that are out there. They're sitting on their couch trying to tell soldiers how to be soldiers who have they themselves never been soldiers, include these generals. Most of these generals are turds okay at the very highest level we already saw that and, you know i'm not going to mention their names but uh you know we saw what they didn't do in afghanistan um you know they're incompetent and uh, and so i feel like at the end of the day man you know we're going to go back to the beginning to, to this conversation you know this is not the same military it's not better um it's getting worse because it's getting worse because 
um, everybody has this notion of this utopian military. You know, we're all, I, you know, I, I watched Top Gun a couple of weeks ago. Now, I like Top Gun. I actually thought it was pretty good. It was full of toxic masculinity. It was perfect. But, you know, look, even Ray Charles could see the political correctness that was all woven through there, right? You had every ethnicity represented as a top gun to include a chick, you know. You had all this stuff going on, you know. They still made their political statement. Outside of that, it was still a lot of testosterone. Okay, I was good with that. And actually, I think a lot of Americans actually like that. Um, you know, you know, a lot of patriots like about time we get back to, you know, real military men and fighting, you know, and um, I think that's what America wants, but that's not what America is going to get. It's not what we're getting. Uh, you know, my story from 2010 uh, told me all I need to know um, what happened in Afghanistan last year tells me all I need to know about our leadership. We have no leadership. We have executive managers. They don't know what the hell they're doing, um, you know, and, and so, you know, we're not we're not going in the right direction. And one of the things else I, I want to comment on was it's been my observation, having been in the Middle East for many, 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 many years, having been in, on this part of the world, you know, there was a time when American soldiers, you know, we used to go out and do hand to hand and beat the shit out of each other. You know, think about the 40s and the 50s, you know, um, we did push ups until we threw up, you know, we were rough and tumble kind of guys. Um, and suddenly we've 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 evolved into these gentlemen warriors, right? These, you know, these technical green berets don't have to be Rambo, all this bullshit. While we're doing that, the other, our enemies are actually doing what we did in the forties and fifties and sixties. They're out to kicking this dog shit out of each other and they're manning up, you know, it's, it's becoming, it's a paradigm shift. And I'm, we're going to come up on the losing end of it. You know, when I was in the third special force group, I remember my command sergeant major at the time when I first got there, um, he called me into his office and he looked at me, he goes, let me ask you something, comp sock. He goes, what's wrong with Rambo? And I, I thought it was a trick question. I thought about it. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, that's right. Nothing's wrong with Rambo. He goes, why can't we have everybody be a Rambo? Right. And I was like, yeah, why not? Right. I was thinking the same thing. You know? <laughs> why can't we all be like Rambo? And this was during the era where we were the gentleman warriors, right? I, I was, I was banned and barred from fighting in tough man contests because it was unbecoming of a professional, I'm like, I'm a warrior, you know, but they didn't want warriors anymore. They want these gentlemen walking around in uniforms, you know, um, everybody gets a black beret and feels special. So it already started. Okay. It's just, it's, it's just keeps getting worse. Okay. And where it's going to end, I think it's going to end with a lot of dead bodies, a lot of dead Americans. Um, I think that's where it's going to end. And uh, that day's coming, you know, we're getting closer, we're inching closer to it. And uh, the, Rest of the world's lining up, you know, the Chinese, the Russians, North Koreans, Iranians. There's many out there that are ready to take us on. And uh, I personally don't think we're ready for it. At the end of the day, all this technology bullshit, it's only going to carry you so far on the battlefield. It's going to always come down to the guy on the, with the gun standing out there on the battlefield. And that whatever we put out there is what we got <clears> to fight with. So. Yep. You know, I, uh, I told uh, – I think it was a, a senator in, uh, when I was working – with the, for the chairman, we had to go up to his office and he was asking all sorts of stupid questions about the military and the military people are with, they were all being very cautious, very politically correct, you know, cause they, he didn't know who I was. I was just some civilian in a, in a crappy suit. And uh, I said, well, you know, you know, while you're sitting there, you know, bad mouthing the, the American soldier, just remember that that soldier and his buddies are the ones that carry out the last hundred meters of U.S. policy when they take it. They they take the fight to the enemy, and the the military people I was with was like, "Wow, I wish we could say that." I mean, they that they felt that way, but they couldn't say that. And the right. senator just looked at me like I had a third eye grown out of my forehead for a second. And he goes, "Well, you know, that's not what I meant. I I wasn't, you know, decrying their patriotism." He says, "says No, that's exactly what you were doing, Senator. I'm just right. glad you're not from my state." Yeah. yeah it's so it kind of makes me think of like the cycle of like wealth right that it's like a, a long studied thing i think for like the last two three hundred years it's nothing new it's what we all know it's like the cycle of wealth right dad is a first generation immigrant or whatever you know a hard scrabble builds his own thing becomes this you know either becomes like a rockefeller or a carnegie builds his empire or much more common right because obviously you wouldn't be special if you were a Rockefeller, or you are special much more common is they they pull themselves out of poverty to a, an above standard 
respectable level of life. Again, whatever it is, 1750, 1950, whatever. Child after them will either inherit it and they will become the, the huge uh, uh, mover and shaker or they will bring it up modestly or they will plateau, but they will be born into a life much like I, my was, I was my dad, super poor, horrible upbringing. I got to, you know, I was born into, I got to go to private school and uh, I, w- I would like to think I'm going to out earn the old man with the podcast. That's kind of my main priority is just to fucking stick it to him. But right. Had I not though, had I, had I gone to medical school and become a doctor, that would have been about a plateau would have been not living in pain. And then there's the third generation, which is often like the spoiled generation. Either they will completely fuck it up on their own or it will be a, a slow and gradual decline. And then the fourth generation is the quote unquote trust fund kid with the Coke problem. His kids have nothing. And oftentimes his kids either grow up in complete shit. They are then back to square one. They claw themselves to the top. We see that in the United States, kind of the beauty of the United States, in my opinion, is all the assholes are always being replaced by immigrants. So, you know, a fat Slav who grew up in suburbia is replaced like my friends in college, these hungry immigrants from Korea and from, I think, Congo, we're both physicians now, just crawling to the top on and on and on, right? And you get this sort of these staggered systems. And that's really what produces the massive wealth in the United States, in my humble, limited wisdom. The difference is all these systems, all these four generation cycles are all staggered. But they're all kind of happening within the borders of the United States, right? So when one kid fucks up and really only changes, you know, it doesn't get changed for the talk. It gets changes, gets changed when you're an alcoholic and you've just wrapped your car around a tree and then your kid grows up with nothing. No one, that guy didn't just change himself because dad said so. No, the reality of life smacked you in the face, sometimes literally. But there's a, there's another kid who's growing up and who's hungry and is going for it. And we have all the first, second, third, fourth, they're all staggered and going on at the same time within the United States. That brings me to the point of the United States itself the power of the military seems to be going through one of these cycles, but we're not in a vacuum. Just like that one family is not in a vacuum. They live in the United States where, Hey, you, someone will come take your lunch. There will be another in Elon, right? We have old money, but no, there's no famous Rockefeller. Now you just kind of know the name, the new money is the Zuckerberg, the Bezos, the Musk, whatever it will be replaced. Just like that. The United States isn't in a vacuum. There is another hungry family. It's China. It's Iran. It's North Korea. It's whatever the fuck. Is there any way, and this is kind of the culmination of this whole rant, unlike the families, you do kind of get a gut check, but then the next kid grows up and it starts going on and on and you can fight. The difference with global hegemony and power projection in a mil- in, your, in each nation's independent uh, military industrial complex is you might not get something as kind as uh, wrapping your car around the tree and you learn your lesson. You might be bulldozed, invaded, and erased. Is there anything that when the U.S. when the U.S. expends a lot of bodies, do we get our shit together? Or is the nature of warfare as opposed to building wealth, is it, no, no, we get erased and another nation builds and then in 300 years they collapse? Not that either of you have the answer, but that's kind of one thing I look at. Is there a way in which we get a black eye and you wake up the next morning and go, all right, no more, no more tequila that, okay, I need that, right? You fail class, you go, okay, I got to stop fucking smoking weed if I want to get into med school. Or is it something that, you know, the guy that pokes his head over the, over the, uh, the trench doesn't learn a lesson about not poking his head over the trench, his head explodes. He didn't learn a lesson. There is no way for that lesson to learn. That's the distinct difference with, with military power is, you're not getting embarrassed. You're, you're just dead. You can't evolve if you're dead. Dale, thoughts? I think, I think I think it comes back to what I said earlier, the man on the battlefield, yeah. right, with the gun. So it's the same thing. So it's not about the vast military complex that we have. At the end of the day, it's the human condition. All right. It always comes down to people. Um, and, you know, we are in a place where, you know, I would argue – 90% of the population, the U.S. population, they're just useful idiots. The smartest people you can think of are total 
losers, complete morons. Just like, how can somebody that smart be that damn ignorant? Or they, are they just deliberately being ignorant? Um, it makes no sense. It's like the fall of the Roman Empire, you know? If you give them bread and circus, the dumb masses won't even pay attention to what the sense cap doing. And that's here we are doing the same thing. Um, you know, and I'll use, uh, I think it was Hitler, it was Hitler or Mengele, I can't remember which one said it, but uh, he said, if you repeat a lie enough times, within usually 90 days, everybody will believe it, even in the face of truth. Um, it's the human condition. And I do believe that we're in a place right now where, um, you know, look, I mean, there are some things that are just so obviously wrong and how people can buy into that. It just, you know, the flat earthers. All right. There are people out who actually believe the earth is still flat. Are you kidding me? Okay. Even Ray Charles can see the earth is round. Jesus Christ, Jiminy, you know. But yet we live amongst these people. And there's not, it's just not a few of them. It's lots of them. You know, and it's not just the flat earth. It's everything that we deal with every day. And are we going to change these people? No. Um, for whatever reason, they're not going to change the way they think. They've been inculcated into a mindset. I think, you know, the term is... Um, um, mass hypnosis, uh, psychosis, right? Mass formation psychosis. Yeah. What was it called? Would you say mass, mass formation psychosis? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, look at this little shiny object. This little shiny object is a diamond when in fact, it's just a piece of freaking aluminum. But if you say it enough times, everybody buys into it, you know? And so, um, and, and I think it's the human condition, we're not going to change that we're, you know, and I think it's just, you know, I said earlier, I mentioned, you know, I think I mentioned on this one, um, you know, it was a uh, Gustav Le Bon. He said that man is the warring ape, um, you know, and that's really what it comes down to. Not only are we the warring ape, we're just a bunch of apes. We ain't too damn smart, um, which is amazing. Is as, as, as smart as we are, we're really not that smart. And, uh, and we're just kind of, you know, I don't know what's going to change. And I think, you know, guy sticks his head up, gets slapped in the face. He's going to have a tendency to keep sticking his head up, getting slapped in the face. We're seeing that happening every day. People keep getting slapped in the face and they just keep doing the same shit over. It's like, you know, it's the human condition. It's, it's got nothing to do with, you know, the vast military complex or anything like that. It's unless people change the way they think, their critical thinking skills, nothing's going to change. It's only going to we're only going to devolve even more. Um, you know, the, it was Mark Twain, I believe, that said that, you know, human, most human beings don't want to take responsibility because responsibility implies effort, work, thought, and they would rather not do that. They would rather let somebody else take responsibility for them. Um, and I think that's really a, a very true statement. I think most people don't want to take responsibility for their life, their freedom, and all the things that, you know, they that we enjoy that many of us enjoy i don't think nobody wants to take responsibility for it and they're willing to they're willing to give that to somebody else to manage for them and you know humans are corrupt man we're we're evil people man at the end of the day we're evil freaking creatures and uh, we will take that power and we will corrupt it we will use it uh, to our advantage that's what it's it started with you know cain and abel i mean we go all the way back to that if you want um i have a belief that you know, everything comes down to three things, three elements when it comes to, for example, politics. It's power, it's money, money and power, they go hand in hand and pussy, um, procreation. I mean, that's what we fight our wars over, right? What, we, what else are we fight in wars over? We want power, okay? What does that mean? Land is power, money, right? And, and to procreate ourselves, that's just, <laughs> we're the warring eight, man, and that's what we fight over. We're not fighting over Bitcoin and some other bullshit, you know? We're fighting over money, power, and, and procreation. Um, it's it's our basic, you know, and I, I reduce it to that level. It's you know, it's our basic human condition. Um, and unless we change that, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna change. We're we're gonna we're going we're circling the drain, man. <laughs> we're as circling the drain. <laughs> Dale, as our as our mutual friend Stoli likes to say, <laughs> it comes to, from the dawn of time till now. It comes down to mercenaries, pimps, and prostitutes. And there I you can't. Go can't quite yet find a, a, a chink in that argument i think it changes in that we get, we get we get better technology but yeah i mean whether it's again whether it's building the pyramids or whether it's uh sending yourself into space it's it's money pimps and prostitutes ron do you want to closing comments on that uh, n- no okay God, all, right. I mean, all right i all think right, they well, pretty well covered it no i mean i 
you know, I, I worry about the same things, you know, I mean, you know, the, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, this, this regime in, in, that's occupying the, the Oval Office is, is writing checks that, that our country can no longer cash. And uh, they're making bad decisions on top of bad decisions. Maybe this is all part of some nefarious plan that they have, but, you know, it, uh, it's, I, it, it blows me away, but you know, there's going to be, there's going to be something, you know, it's not going to be the little embarrassing Iranian gunboat uh, stopping a U.S. Navy vessel in the, in the Persian Gulf. And we have the humiliating pictures of U.S. sailors, you know, on their knees with their, their hands behind their head type of thing. I mean, we're going to, we're going to suffer a catastrophic military defeat. And, uh, and what are we going to do? I know we can go and rely on the same, you know, DOD, both military and civilian leadership that, you know, did such a great job in Kabul a year ago. I mean, nobody resigned, nobody got fired, nobody got called out. In fact, people got promoted and people got great new baubles to put on their chest and things like that. I mean, Mark Milley should have resigned out of sheer embarrassment, but the man has no honor. And, uh, you know, and I'll say that to Mark's face because I've served with him before and he likes to uh, he likes to use, you know, playground bully tactics to overwhelm you. He's got that big booming voice. But, you know, like I've told him sometimes, I says, you're full of shit, Mark. And he doesn't. And the general officers do not like being told that because they literally have everybody around him saying, my God, you are the most wonderful thing ever. And yeah, it's so but we don't have the, the, the type of leadership, either military or civilian, that we so desperately need in a very, very dangerous world, especially now. Um, I, I can't begin to tell you some of the, the horror stories of some of the people that are now in senior positions. They were, they were just as bad when they were of lower rank, either military or civilian. And they haven't improved with age. They haven't gained any wisdom. And they've surrounded themselves with sycophants that you know only encourage more failure my, well, my little rant Dale. well no that, no you said it perfectly man you uh, you said you said mark miley i didn't say his name earlier but that's exactly what i was thinking of that freaking here's a guy that's a paper tiger he's got all that bullshit on his chest that he really didn't goddamn earn all right you and he wants everybody to believe he's general custard when he's fucking look i got i know privates more qualified to do his job especially what happened in Afghanistan. Okay, freaking, I, I know privates that could conduct a better operation than that, that jackass did. All those guys, um, oh, totally yeah. negligent, and there are dead people because of them, period. And those guys, you're right, those guys should not be sitting in those seats at all. They're not worthy of it. They haven't earned that right, period. Well, I know, and Dale, I know you got to run, so I'll wrap this one up, but I guess – my, my my closing question to y'all is and I, and I because i kind of have gotten this after interviewing so many guys that have kind of even even mike durant right the blackhawk down pilot i've interviewed him five plus times he says in his book in the company of heroes after what bill clinton did he was like he let you know and who knows better than mike durant than you know uh uh, uh and gordon right he was like what, what what was the fucking point and um but it kind of comes down to this is it's like the more i have these conversations the the sillier i feel for having an american flag behind me and being rah rah america i start to think am i just a fucking idiot like i, I don't care if like the left doesn't like it they don't like it i'm, I'm a white guy with blue eyes of course they don't like me but part of me hears all these stories and i, and I kind of feel stupid for for having a flag behind other times i don't my grandpa's brother was 18 on omaha beach he survived and I look at that, I'm like, it, that is something to be proud of. And for all of our flaws, I still think that we're the, we have a lot of flaws. I think we're the least worst nation. There's a reason why the gradient of, uh, to borrow from biology, the gradient of, uh, of the flow of immigrants is here and not away. Uh, we need a wall to keep people out, not to keep them in. Um, is it, is it, and y'all, I mean, and I know this is a kind of a big question, but I mean, is it stupid? to be rah-rah America and not in, and to love this nation? Or are you guys looking at me and like, this guy has no fucking idea. This thing's going around. This thing's going into the shitter. Is, <laughs> yeah. Dale. No, I think, you know what? I look at it like this, man. I still believe in America, but not in all of America. I believe in 
patriotic Americans. I believe in American ideals, what we stood for, what my father fought for, what my other families fought, you know, family members fought for, what I thought I was fighting for. Um, I still believe in that. But we have, you know, there's another half of this country that is not on board. They're not Americans. And I, will, and I say it all the time. They're pseudo-Americans at best. Okay, they're parasites. They live off the country. They live off of our tax law. They live off of our, you know, what we many of us have sacrificed. Um, they're not giving anything back. They're taking, taking, taking. And I don't consider them Americans, not even close. And don't tell me because I pay taxes, you are American. Look, bullshit. All right, I pay taxes too. I pay, I pay with, play with, pay with blood and sweat. All right, and friends and family. So I still believe in American ideals. Um, I hope that it turns around, you know, let's see what happens in the fall or with this next election. And then the one after that, um, that will, that will tell the, the tale, you know, and I hope that uh, there's enough Americans out there with enough sense to go, you know what, what's happening now is wrong. And we need to go back to what was working in the past. Right. And uh, so I still have some faith in that, but not much. Um, but like I, I, I think I said on the last, last podcast, you know, I'm still a warrior, man. I might be 59, but I'm still a warrior. And I'm going to, you know how, we you know my strategy already. So I'm one way I'm going to fight back. And if that don't work, I'm ready to go as extreme as I have to. <laughs> I don't care, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to fight for my kids and our, and our freedom. <laughs> no, no, nobody doubts that, Dale. Um, Ron? Well, it's a great question to ask right before the 4th of July. Uh, well, um, I know. I'm not trying to throw it on y'all. And yeah, no, that's all right. Um, you, you know, I, I, I still think this is the, uh, the, the best country in the world. I mean, you know, Dale and I have traveled all over, all over the globe. And I remember every time I, I came back to the United States, I was always thankful and relieved and, and, and happy and, and, and reminded of, you know, why I went out and did what I did and, you know, spent all those, you know, birthdays and holidays and, and anniversaries and, and other family events away from my family while I was out, you know, serving our, our country doing, you know, stuff, um, you know, and it, and it was hard and it was, but I always remember that was always good. And, you know, I just want to address something else. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk going on about, oh, you know, we're going to have a civil war. Oh, we're going to have a national divorce. Oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do that. I'm going, you know, you mofos, you have zero idea what you're talking about. I mean, even more so than the usual, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Because I don't know, Dale, if you if you happen to do anything in the Balkans, but I mean, there was a, a semi-modern, you know, Yugoslavia, looked like a first world country, smelled like a first world country. Hell, they had flushing shitters. I mean, so it must have been a first world country. Um, but, you know, they tore themselves apart and they they hated each other. And it there's there's no coming back from that. Um, I mean, you know, they want to refight the Civil War. We, you know, oh, we have to rename Fort Bragg. You know, okay, so Braxton Bragg was an idiot general. But why did we name that military reservation, that base, Fort Bragg. Oh, to, you know, a little bit of, you know, throw a little, you know, you know, sugar the the Southerners way when when we were were doing that because we wanted to, you know, bring them into the reunite. Wreck it, right, reunite them and, and keep doing that. And you know, this this whole thing of refighting the Civil War, getting rid of statues and and then, you know, this this silly talk about, you know, we're gonna, you know, the left is gonna rampage with with their with their uh, LARPer guns and their Nerf balls and what all, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna show us you know Bible gun clingers out here in rural America you know what's what I'm going like, dude you know I've I've got great fields of fire I you know I have uh, you know, there's you know you you don't don't want to come this way, um, and you know it, but I just find it just disheartening that there are so many Americans on both sides that that want to give up on our country and they have no idea what they want to have in, in its place. I mean, some of them want to have some sort of socialist communist utopia because by God, they're going to do it right this time. And others want to go back to some, some version of America that never really existed, but it, well, maybe it did in part, but you know, the, all this talk is from people that have never, you know, never raised their hand, never gone to a, 
you know, never joined the army or the military or, you know, never, never sacrificed, even in peacetime. I mean, you sacrifice and it's, so I just find it, uh, you know, it's, and of course, you know, I walk around when I, when I, when I actually go into town to, uh, you know, re replenish the Jack Daniels stock, the, uh, well, you know, there's, it's an important class, you know, class six, you know, uh, item. And, uh, the, uh, but I, I look around, I see, I see the youth of today and I'm going like, I mean, I know we had, we had fat kids and nerdy kids back when I was growing up when Dale and I were growing up, but good Lord, is everybody an idiot now? And does everybody, you know, think that the military is like called to duty or something like that? And like, uh, uh, never mind. I, I go off. Yeah. I, I can <laughs> rant as well as Dale. I, I know. I know. And well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a beautifully said, I, I know I'm not going to stop doing my my little part and uh, don't you dare and I, I won't because uh got shout out Joe Kent that motherfucker's taking it to DC and he's going to win and I say motherfucker with love Joe please don't kill me and uh but he, I know Dale's got to run I know I know he'll give me a big hug and then kill me Dale's got to run Ron you got to run we'll wrap this yep. one up would love to do it again sometime my guys everyone everybody listening in the description will have both y'all's twitters websites all that good shit guys go follow him it's fun and uh Thank you so much. Thank you both. And I always say this to you guys as much as I know these guys hate. Thank you for your service. But thank you because that allows me to live the soft, cushioned, air-conditioned life that I do. And it's fucking awesome. So thank you. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank right, you okay. so much. God Appreciate bless. It. God bless America.